Good morning, church family. It is wonderful to be here today, and thank you for inviting me to speak once again. Let us pause for a moment of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, in your Son's holy name, we come before you humbly. We ask that you give us the supply, an ample supply of the Holy Spirit. Open our hearts, open our minds. He that hath an ear, let him hear, Heavenly Father, what the Spirit Heavenly Father, what the Spirit should say. Heavenly Father, the words that I speak, let them not be my own, but yours, Heavenly Father. Stand me up, Lord, for I cannot stand here by myself. Your Son's holy name, amen. Now the uh, title of today's study is Exodus Diaspora. Now, you may wonder, what is diaspora? Is that a virus? No, it's not a virus. Diaspora is the situation that forced the settling of the Jews to Babylon. Those who are displaced, identifying themselves that they belong in another place, For instance, we ourselves, do we consider ourselves of this world? No. We long for the kingdom of heaven. We are diaspora, if you will. We are displaced. Now, the 2 Corinthians states... In 6.17, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and not touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He is speaking to us. He is telling us to come out from the world. He wants to be our father. Now, we here also have a responsibility. We are to take that which we are given and do what with it? Hide it under a bushel basket? Hide it under a hat? Hide it within ourselves? No. We are God's messengers, and we are to deliver what we know to others. Now, where I grew up in Pennsylvania... There was a great fishing spot where my dad would take me fishing. And on this particular day, my uncle Woodrow was also with us. And as we were fishing, we were all there at this, around this pool. And uh, my uncle, myself, and my father. We were, it was a pretty nice-sized pool. So we were all had our lines in the water. But at this particular moment, I had to take my line in, and I had to re-bait the hook. So as I was doing this, my uncle here on my right, all of a sudden his rod just bent down, and he was like reeling in this, wow, I thought, that's a big fish. Well, all of a sudden this fish left my uncle's line. It got away. Well, I saw this as an opportunity. So I put my hook and bait into the water, and lo and behold, was I lucky. That fish 
bang, it hit my bait. I hooked it, and I'm reeling it in. And my uncle looks and says, that's my fish. My father says, it was your fish. It's his fish now. So as this, using this as an analogy, we see that Satan, he puts, what does he put into the water? He tries to hook us, doesn't he? He tries to reel us into his world. So you could sort of say that my uncle, maybe he was playing the part of a not-so-nefarious nefarious character that we know. You know, he could be playing the part of Satan. He's reeling that fish in. Well, I could have played the part of an angel. As I, his, that fish left his line, I put my line out there, and now this angel. And we could look at it as Jesus Christ saying to the devil, uh-uh, they were your fish. They are now my fish. Like the unsuspecting trout, Satan is reeling in all sinners until they are reached by the end except the delivered word of God. Suddenly they are touched by the message of truth. They slip off the devil's hook and are netted into God's lifeboat of mercy and grace. The angels shout, Hallelujah. Not anymore, wicked one. Not anymore are they yours. I bring this up because that whole beautiful place that was once a great fishing spot, it is no longer because the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania decided that a huge dam was needed. So they dammed up the valley and all the water that flowed from the app, that particular Appalachian mountain now filled up the valley. There were farms and homesteads through which that small creek meandered. Before the flooding came, there were many upset people who did not want to readily give up their familiar environment. People were compensated, though, for the rights to appease their eminent domain frustration, and they were asked to be out within several months of flooding. Some of the people my father knew, of course, and all were complaining. This is my land. I don't want to be displaced. My grandfather bought this farm. I love it here. I don't want to leave. What was good enough for them, they said, what was good enough for my ancestors is good enough for me. And I agreed, too, because that was a wonderful fishing spot, and I had very good memories of it. But there is a required for departure. There's an accounting for departure of people, and I say this from planet, from planet Earth. Now, even though we sometimes feel that when we give up worldly things, we, it's a displacement. That when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, uh-oh, uh-oh, I can't do that anymore. I should not be watching worldly movies on television. 
I should not be going to see worldly movies in the theater. I should be eating differently. Oh, I should not be eating that ice cream. I need to fill my body because it is the temple of Lord. I need to be filling my body with good things. So we feel a certain displacement, don't we? As we come out of the world. This preceding story of displacement due to eminent domain can also be a biblical analogy. We have a warning and time allotted to prepare before the floodgates of destruction will be opened and God's judgment will be poured out. As in Revelation 16.1 states, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. 2 Corinthians 6.2 For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in a day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. We must say that we are living in the end times, are we not? We believe this. In the analogy of displacement, Their lives were about to change. Turmoil exists and follows us like the global pandemic. When the floodgates of God's destruction open, those who are not prepared, those who do not come out of the world, as we referred in today's scripture, 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18, will lose their battle. The most important thing they possess. And what do you think? is the most important thing that you possess. Your soul. Your soul. Why do careless souls feel the need to linger? There is a promise that the Lord is coming in 2 Peter 3.9 and also in Matthew 25.10.2. Peter 3.9 states, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Matthew 25.10. And Jesus tells us, in the story of the ten virgins, and while they were being indecisive souls, went to buy oil in their lamps. That means to bring in the Holy Spirit and study the word of God. The bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut, just like in the days of Noah. The hand of God shut the door on the ark. And it was all over. It was done. Do we want that to happen to us? Certainly not. I must ask myself, why do I linger? Why do I look back in time, that which never can be physically revisited? It's past, isn't it? We all stand as a culmination of experience. The good Lord has brought us through it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
sorting out regrets of the what-ifs, the should-haves. Knowing I should not dwell on the shoulda-couldas, but didn't, that is all basic human nature, isn't it? What if I had done that instead of making the wrong choice? What if I had stopped before I made that wrong choice? What if I had stopped, got on my knees, and put it into prayer? What if I had done that? But no, I was just too busy going here and there. I didn't take the time to do the right thing. And while we linger waiting for the kingdom, if we choose, the Lord will take us by the hand and lead us to the mansion that awaits us. We know that life is short, yet we live sometimes as though life will never end. James 4, 14 to 17, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, it is a sin. We are, friends, we are the diaspora. This world is not our own, and this is not our home. We need to prepare for Exodus. Genesis nineteen fifteen to 16, and I will paraphrase. There, while Lot lingered, waffling, indecisive, the angels took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. In this The Lord was merciful. As the angels guarded them and led them outside the city, the Lord was merciful. The Lord can lead us outside the worldly if we simply take his hand, if we choose. We need to do a self-analyzation. Who are you that lingers? In Lot's time, he was the nephew and former close associate of the faithful Abraham, the friend of God. Lot knew better, did he not? Lot knew better. Do we know better? Absolutely, we know better. How long shall we linger? On the very morning of Sodom's destruction, Lot was slow to move when he should have been quickly out of there. How about us? Should we not right now be confirming our boarding passes, checking our tickets to Exodus, to be translated out of here? We should be saying, beam me up, Jesus. There is no intelligent life down here. Beam me up, Jesus. And I don't want to make light of this because this is serious business. Christ has assured us. John 14, 1 to 3. And what does it say here? We all know this one. 
Let your not let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto me, that where I am, there ye may be also. Amen? Amen. Where and upon what do we linger? Genesis 5 and 6. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. As Lot had lingered within the walls of Sodom, we must ask ourselves, what walls have we built around ourselves to keep us from the good Lord? What walls do we build around us? Come out from among them. With whom do you linger? And this is a tough question to consider and think about. With whom do you linger? As in Lot's case, unfortunately, he, he had little influence over his family. In their hearts and minds, they nef- never left Sodom behind. Instead of moving forward, Lot's wife did what? She turned around. She looked and she thought about what she was losing. She had the fear not to go forward. She had the fear not to trust God. And she turned around and looked and analyzed. What am I leaving behind? Guess what? It didn't matter that anymore because she was now a pillar of salt. Genesis, that's in Genesis 19.26. We can become paralyzed at the thought of leaving everything we have ever known. Paralyzed by the thought of leaving our friends, loved ones, our family behind, leaving everything that we as humans find most endearing to our hearts. It is a hard road to travel, and Jesus told us that it would not be easy. There is a film clip from a movie where Moses is walking through the desert and he is leading the donkey and his wife Sephora is sitting comfortably upon it. And he is walking through the desert and he's hitting this rock, stumbling over this rock, and he's grumbling and he says... I think God should have planned this journey without placing so many rocks and hills in our path. How about your life? You got any rocks and hills in the way of keeping you from your true destination? We all do, don't we? We all stumble. We all fall down. We all do. I'm no different. If I take a laundry list of all the problems I've got, but I don't think about them, you know where I place them? At least I try to. 
I put those rocks and hills on the broad shoulders of Jesus Christ because that's whom I trust. There must be a decided coming out, a separation from all that is wicked, an escape from the worldly. Matthew 24, 37, 38. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So it was in the days of Lot and so with the disciples prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. And so it will be for believers of the truth in these last days. Friends, it is unwise and dangerous to know what to do to please God, but to put off doing it. Ephesians 4, 18, 19. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. This is telling us that even though we study, we don't take it to our hearts. We need to take what we study, what we believe. We need to put it in our hearts, and then we need to pay it forward. This is a tale about those who have heard the word, who began living the truth, and then fell down. We all fall down. But praise him. Jesus wants you to get up, dust yourself off, and move forward. Just don't stay. Just don't lay there in the dirt. Get up. Brush yourself off because he forgives. He wants you to get back in the race. Hebrews 3, 7, and 8 gives us encouragement. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Ephesians 4, 21, 24. If so be that ye have heard him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We must put on the new garb of holiness and righteousness. Amen? Amen. Final boarding call. Do you have your tickets ready? Are you ready to exodus? Do you consider yourself diaspora? That earth is not your home. Revelation 18, 1 to 4. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the greatest fallen, has fallen and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk, drank the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth waxed rich 
through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from the heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye receive not of her plagues. There is no time set, friends. For no man knows the hour when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will take place or when the mighty angel will come down from heaven and unite with the third angel for closing up the work for this world. The bigger bigger picture is this. Our only safety is in being ready for the heavenly refreshing. Having our lamps trimmed, full of oil and burning. That being secure in the leading of the Holy Spirit during the study of God's word. Being diligent in prayer and obedient to the commandments. While standing a spectator and lingering with indecision, Jesus can return as a thief in the night. Second Peter 3, 3, 4. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Hmm. Well, do any of your friends ever say or ask the question, well, where is he? Where is he? Is he on time? Is he coming? These are the scoffers that try to set us off the real path. Have you seen him? Where is he? We refer to John 14.1.3. Do what? Let your heart... What? Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto me, that where I am, there ye may be also. Amen? Amen. We need to take that to heart. We need to believe it. While standing a a spectator and lingering with indecision, Heaven forbid death would come. Hebrews 9.27 And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. We also say James 4.14 Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. What could happen in this world is uncertain, friends. What is certain is that the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Ecclesiastes 12.7 and Ecclesiastes 9.5. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. 
Unfortunately, today, there are those who pompously know more truth than what they live. Galatians 3, 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Galatians 5, 7. Ye did not, ye did run well. Who didn't? Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Who or what is holding you back, my friends, to hinder you? Hmm? Beware not to build life on things here below. Colossians 3, 1, 2. If ye then be risen in Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth, on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. You know, also flirting with the enemy while doing Christ's battle is dangerous. Ephesians 4.27 Neither give place to the devil, and so saith the Lord as it is written in James 4.7 Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. What should we say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Heaven believers, yes, but you do not long for it as the disciple Paul did. Philippians 1, 21, 23. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. We are betwixt, aren't we? We are betwixt and between. Our journey began on this earth in Genesis and will eventually conclude in the book of Revelation. I will conclude today's study with a few verses from Paul's epistle to Titus. These are well known and pertinent. Titus 2, 11 to 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearance of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Let us also add to this from the book revealed to John by Jesus himself, Revelations 2.11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. 
Amen. Do not be confused. There is only one road to salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The time, friends, is at hand. And it is up to the decision, or I should say it's up to the disciples of Jesus to plant the seeds of truth to those who have not heard and to bring back into the fold those who have stumbled or fallen. Our work lies before us, does it not? To plant the seeds of truth to those who have not heard and to bring back into the fold those who have stumbled or fallen. That is our job. There is a work to be done, a message to be delivered before the door to the marriage feast in the kingdom with Jesus is sealed. The journey, the exodus from this world, friends, is in the final stages. As Christians, we are dispora. This world is not our home, and we long for God's kingdom, do we not? I want to be in that number. I want to be on the roll when it is called. Don't you? Amen. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we praise your name. We thank you for the liberty that exists here in this America, Heavenly Father. We also know through, through your words, Heavenly Father, that this is not our home. We long to be with you, Heavenly Father. Help us throughout these coming weeks, Heavenly Father. Help us to pay your word forward. Help us to deliver your message to those around us, Heavenly Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.